0: I have to admit, uh, this morning when I got out of bed, it was uh, dark and foggy. And, um, and I went to my sock drawer after getting dressed, and I looked in the drawer, and there before me were my Mr. Perfect socks. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've decided to wear my Alaskan bear socks instead today. But uh, today we are looking at this topic, unmistakable humility. And I think that this is, this is one of those sort of topics, again, that we don't really like to, to speak about uh, humility, because it leaves us in this position of vulnerability. It leaves us in this, this position of kind of feeling exposed. Because often we think about, like, you know, if we're, if we're being humbled, it's, it's a negative influence. Or it's a negative inference that we have in our minds about humility. And it kind of goes against every human desire that we have to, to be humble. Uh, particularly in a post-fall environment, right? We, we, we struggle with this concept of humility, and particularly if it's somebody that's saying things to us, that's kind of humbling us, that, that we might not even get along with. I think we struggle a lot if it's somebody that we don't get along with that, that's saying something to us that's kind of true. Um, or perhaps it's, it's somebody that, you know, we don't know or, or anything like that. And, and somehow we just click and we're like, I don't like this. I'm not sure about this. In fact, you know what? I'm going to push back on this idea of humility until I work things out for myself. I think that's, that's real for where we're at. I remember uh, in about 2015, I preached my first ever sermon. I was, I think, first year of, of Bible college and I knew everything and I, um, I got up, it was a night service. It was at a church called Clontarf Beach Baptist Church back in, in Redcliffe in Brisbane. And I got up and I preached this message and I, I still have the slides and, and, and my manuscript and everything and I read over it now and I'm like, wow, that's atrocious. Those poor people. But I remember coming off the platform just feeling utterly depleted absolutely depleted, going, you know what, I have just done the worst job ever. There's no way, there's no way that that could have meant anything to anybody. About two weeks later, I caught up with a guy in the church car park after the service and I found out that his first time at the church was that night. And I was like, oh, here we go. (laughs) What's he going to say? And there was just this moment of absolutely being humbled because he said, you know what? It was just a bit all over the shop and it was a bit, not what I thought, but it was so real. And I gave my life to Jesus that night. And I was like, oh, get out of here. That moment of just completely being humbled in that it was incredible. And I wonder how we go in those moments of being humbled. Do we actually look for opportunities for humility to flow? Or do we go in in our own steam, kind of like I felt like I was doing on that night of that sermon. And then the beauty is that God uses all things for His glory and good, right? but I wasn't actually looking for an opportunity of humility. I got in my head so much that it became about me that night in my own reality. I wonder if that's the same for some of us here today where we're a little bit too consumed with with us and we don't know how to respond to the word humility. Humility let alone to a sermon about humility, let alone to practising humility in and of ourselves, right? But we get into 1 Peter, and as we have for this entire term, in fact, t- today is the, is the very last of our unmistakable series as we, uh, we head next week into an amazing series uh, that Pastor Gary is bringing to us, an angelology series, looking into the spiritual realms of angels and, and demons and things. And that's going to be amazing for us. But, uh, but today we're going to finish off here And we're going to humble ourselves this morning before the Lord, I hope. So, 1 Peter chapter 5, and it's only three verses this morning. And it says this In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes. The proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Let's just take a moment to pray. Father God, we want to come before you now. And we want to do exactly that. We want to humble ourselves under your mighty hand. This morning, as we gather and as we unpack this and as we look at this amazing topic of humility and your call for us to be humble, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us and that you might open our hearts up to hear the message that you have for each and every one of us this morning. Father, this morning, would there be less of me and more of you? Would there be less of us and more of you? And Father, would you minister to us by your Holy Spirit's leading this morning, that we would be equipped and prepared for the mission field, for the week ahead, for what is to come. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now. Often I, I start my sermons in my preparation. Here's an insight into what happens. I start my, my preparation, particularly if it's around a topic, by going to the dictionary to try and get a definition for what the topic actually means. And I did that again today. Uh, and, and Or this, I didn't do it today. Let me assure you of that. I've done that again as I prepared for this particular message this morning. And the definition came up. For humility is the suffering, uh, sorry, the quality of having a modest or low view of one's importance. Let that sit with you for a second. Because if you, like me, read that and had more questions than answers, then you're exactly like me. But I had questions about this. Why do I need to have a low value of importance about myself? I'm a child of God, the word of God declares to me. I am important. Christ died on the cross for me. So why do I need to have a low value of self-importance? God has plans for me, plans to prosper me and harm me. I'm important in God's eyes. So I didn't like that definition. So I thought I'm going to chase a different one. I'm going to go find something that that resonates a little bit better. And I thought, where better than to go to one of the great philosophers of our time, uh, C.S. Lewis. And I got this definition and I thought, yeah, this, this resonates a heck of a lot better with me. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. In fact, this definition stands in direct contrast to that which I just read that the dictionary told me what the definition of humility is. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And I thought, you know what? This is actually way better for us because this has a community focus. This places the importance not on me, which I think is what is the essence of humility and places the importance on others. This takes me out of the equation and it calls for me to be in a position of service to those people out there and around and place a higher value of importance on them. Not that I'm any less important or any less significant, but that we place an importance in our surrender and in our idea of who God is more so on other people than we do ourselves. It doesn't detract from me. It doesn't detract from my identity as a child of God. But it also calls for me to do something, right? This definition here, it calls for me to do something because I have to be thinking about other people. And if I'm just thinking about them all the time, well, it kind of calls for me to do something about that, to put others before myself in that moment of humility. Not just thinking about them, but others. So what I did is I thought I'm going to rewrite this definition And I'm gonna change it to that definition from C.S. Lewis. So I've done that and I put it up there for us. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. But I've also changed the critical detail on there as well because for me, a noun is a naming word. Is that right? Yeah. I disagree completely that humility is a naming word. And I think it should be a verb. It should be a doing word. That's what a verb is, right? Great. I actually... uh, didn't do so well in Greek at Bible college because I didn't understand English well enough. So I'm really just looking for affirmation. I've got this right. But this is what humility calls for us to do. It's something that we can't just think about. It's something we can't just put a title or a label on. It's something that we're called to demonstrate and to do in our reality. It's placing others above ourselves, not thinking less of ourselves and calling us to do something about that. Is that okay? Can we, can we use that as like our baseline as a definition for this morning rather than the one that thinks I'm less important? Cool, good. I just needed to get us sorted on the right track for that first. And I needed to sort out the internet, actually. That's what we needed to do. Humility, right? <laughs> Jeepers. But this points to a problem. It points to a problem because our human definition says one thing and our reality kind of says something completely different. And I think that's, that's real for us when it comes to humility. You see, humanity struggles with this concept of humility because they almost oppose each other in nature. You see, humanity puts self first, that it is all about me. Whereas humility puts others First, And it says, I'm not, I'm not less, but I'm going to make you more. Humanity defends itself at all costs. In fact, it kind of pushes other people downwards to create a pile so we can be the king of the hill, right? Humility defends others. It lifts them up. It speaks to pulling people out of unjust situations. It speaks to adding value to life. Humanity is all about sacrificing others. Humility is about sacrificing myself to build up others. Can you see the differences? Humanity covers up their failures because they don't want to look bad. Humility admits mistakes as an opportunity for growth and development. Humanity works in isolation. Humility works in community. Humanity gives us a restless life, but humility gives us a peace and a contentment as we work together towards something greater, far greater than ourselves. Humanity never forgets, but humility says, I forgive. Humanity will win arguments, and humility will win people. Humanity knows best. Humility knows Jesus. See, we have this problem where we live in a world where we, in our humanness, have all of these innate desires to develop ourselves and we have a focus and, you know, we point to others, but there's all these fingers that are going, hang on, about it's about me. There's three fingers to me and one to you. Humility just surrenders everything and builds other people up. That is what it is about. It's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It's a doing word to promote others, to promote community. It says we're better together. If we work through things and I humble myself and elevate you, I will be elevated with you. This is the problem that we face. And I have a solution. Doesn't end there. I have a solution for us this morning. And we're not going to like it because it starts with submission. It starts with submission. Submit yourself to your elders. This gives us a picture of this posture of surrender, this posture of learning that other people can actually add value to us, that we can listen and learn and observe and we can come before people who may know more about the spiritual realm, about life and learn from them. This, po- this posture says that others may know more. This posture doesn't say, I'm any less. It says that there's others out there that know a bit more. And if we posture ourselves in submission, we'll find ourselves actually working together in community, building each other up. You know what the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. It'd be like us going every different week when there's a new car that comes out going, hang on a second, we got to redesign the wheel, guys. Let's get somebody else in here to make a wheel. The wheel has already been made. All we've got to do is fit it to that car and know that it's going to help us as we move forward. There are people out there that can help us move forward in our relationship if we would humble ourselves and submit ourselves in a learning posture to those around us, to those who know spiritually better than we do. That's why we're called here to submit ourselves to elders. But why? Why would you do that? Well, we get a little bit of insight here in 1 Peter 5, 2-4. to It says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those who entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. I have a guy back in Brisbane that I talk to quite regularly. His name is Alan Alan's 83 years old. He was a cattleman all of his life. He's got a lot of bumps and bruises. He he, uh, rolled a truck and crushed half of his body, so he's fairly immobile. But I used to go down to his house every week and have breakfast with him just to listen to the stories and how God moved in his life, to go through such tragedy and come out there with a faith like the strongest person that I've ever seen to sit before somebody who had age on their side and to listen. That is one of the most amazing things and I have learnt so much just by keeping my mouth shut (laughs) for those moments when I catch up with Him and actually listening to the wisdom that comes. His example is amazing before me and encourages me daily in what I do. He will, when I call him he's like I've been praying for you every day. And I believe that. Submit ourselves to our elders. And of course in this respect it doesn't just talk about people with age, right? This is a spiritual maturity and a spiritual authority element to this. These people that we're supposed to submit ourselves to are not pursuing dishonest gain, as it calls us here, are eager to to serve, are being examples of what it is to live and demonstrate a life of humility. And that's why it says in verses five to seven, in the same way as these elders, look to the elders as an example, look to these people as a way that you can see humility demonstrated and then exercise that as you do. Think not less of yourself, but think of others more. This is the example that we're called to here. And then we move on in this, in verse five, at the back half of verse five, all of you, that's us, right? Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. The reason why I couldn't wear those socks It takes time, it takes thought, it takes an action for us to actually do this. Many of you, I hope, thought about the clothes that you were going to wear this morning, perhaps as you were putting them on. You can't do this outside of humility. We are called to think about this. We are called to do this. It is more than just a naming word. Humility is a doing word. And as we thought about the clothes that we put on this morning, does that shirt match those pants? Or did my wife put these out for me for a reason? Not me. She was asleep actually in bed. Why are we doing this? Because we're called to think about it. Clothe yourself in humility toward one another. May it be something that's pleasant for those around us. And you know the other thing about this? We can't actually do this in isolation because we have to do humility towards one another. That means we have to put ourselves in situations where we can be humble. That means stepping out. That means that thought process of working through or putting on the clothes, walking out into the world and being humble is something that we actually are called to do. We have to go into places and spaces and be humble towards one another. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothes your, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. It's one thing in a list of different things that we're called to actively do in our lives so that we can clothe ourselves in the same way that Jesus Christ clothed Himself and showed and demonstrated to the world that He is love. We need to be clothing ourselves. We need to be consciously putting humility first in the way that we live in this world. If we wanna be Christ-like, We have to do this. Otherwise, well, God opposes the proud because the opposite of humility is pride. And if we want to be opposed by God, and I am assuming here, perhaps correctly, that none of us wants to be in opposition to God, if you've read revelation you don't want to be in opposition to god but he opposes those people who are outside of living in humility and then the quite opposite is true if we are being humble he shows favor he shows favor to us as we humbly surrender ourselves to him he will exalt the humble Luke 14, 11 says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I wonder what that humbling would look like if God is humbling us. I think it would be devastating. God wants to lift them up. He wants to exalt them. He wants to prosper them. He wants to heal them and their land. This is the type of results that we get from being humble in the way that God calls us to be humble. But it only happens if we humble ourselves before God. If we humble ourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may be able to lift us up in due time. We hear it here and we hear it in James as well. Chapter four, verse 10, verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now this sounds great. We kind of get an understanding. We've got ourselves a definition. We've seen some context around how this can be applied. We're, we're feeling like we're called, but what are actually the benefits of being humble. Because I th- kind of think, yeah, sometimes we can listen to something, but if it doesn't benefit us, this is kind of another human problem, right? If it doesn't benefit us, then we're less likely to do something about us. About it. Well, let me give you some. God hears the humble. It says this in 2 Chronicles 34. Because your heart was responsive. And you humbled yourself before God when you heard that he spoke against this place and its people. And because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. If we come before the Lord, if we were to do humility, if we submit to God, And come forward to Him. He will hear us, declares the Lord. And I think that's a great benefit, right? We want our prayers to be heard. We want to be heard by God. What about this one? Well, God leads and teaches the humble. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them His way. If we declare that we are a Christian in this place, a follower of Jesus, this is our ultimate goal, that we would know Jesus, that we would be more like Jesus day in, day out, right? If we start with humility, if we put ourselves before God, He will hear us and He will teach us what it is to be more like Him. Starts to get compelling, right? God leads and teaches the humble. And then God sustains the humble as well. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. He sustains us. He gives us the strength, the desire, the drive to be able to execute His will. will. When When we're in step with Him, when we humble ourselves, He hears us, He teaches us, He sustains us into what it is that He calls us into. And then get this right, He crowns us in victory. Wow. We all want victory. We all wanna hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Psalm 149. What an amazing promise that we have. But God also does this amazing thing. And I can't help because this is one of my prayers regularly. God, give me wisdom to be able to lead your people. God gives wisdom. To the humble. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. There's a lot of benefit here for us. He hears us. He wants us to be in relationship with Him. He leads us and teaches us to be more like Him, to live out the way that He would call us to live so that we can do do those good works that He's prepared in advance for us. He sustains us into those things. He gives us the ability to see victory because the crown is His and He's already won victory and He gives that to us. And then he gives us wisdom as is required so that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think these are great, great benefits to living a life of humility. I wonder if you can think of an example of someone who demonstrated all of these things. Spoiler alert, Jesus is our unmistakable example when it comes to humility. If you look at his ministry, his, contact, his context, and everything he did for his three years, it was all about humility. If we look at our definition of what humility is, it's not thinking less of ourselves, it's thinking of ourselves less. Jesus exemplified that in human form. For it tells us in Mark 10, verse 45, that for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Everything that Jesus did came to serve others. And we get this amazing picture in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, of the amazing humility and servanthood of Jesus. And it says this It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having Uh, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to our own interests, but to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And this is the mindset. Who Even death on a cross. When you look at humility and the example that Jesus left of humility, that in every moment of his life, including his death and his resurrection, and his time until ascension. And you look at that through the lens of humility, you can see that everything, everything was done for you. The ultimate example of humility. Jesus didn't think any less of himself. He knew he was God. But he thought more of others. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's you. That's me. That's my God's example of humility. How do you go with that? That moment in the garden, right? My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. May this burden of sin be taken from me. May this death that is so desperately needed for humanity to sin be taken, but not as I will, but as you will. Father, I'm going to humbly surrender everything to you because I see the bigger picture, because they need it, because I need it because we need it and again as jesus is there on the cross he says father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing and he's right we don't know what we're doing We didn't know what we're doing. And in our humanness, we struggle to have any idea of what we're doing. But if we would come humbly before God, recognise our position is important and think more of those around us, then we too can follow in the example of humility that Jesus laid out for us. Because the reality is there's no way that any of us could ever be in relationship with God if it wasn't for the humility that Jesus demonstrated in coming down from heaven so that we might know God because he paid the price by his blood being shed And his body being crushed for our sin, for your sin, for my sin. And he calls us into life and he gives us all of these benefits that if we would just come before him in humility, and he wants us to have life and life in abundance. Would you humble yourself before the Lord? Would you be humble enough to surrender everything to Jesus? Would you be real enough to look into your life and recognise perhaps we are broken and in need of a Saviour here today? Would you humble yourself before the Lord and pray this prayer this morning and draw a line in the sand and say, I'm gonna live for you, Jesus, from this moment forward. Would you do that with me? Let's close our eyes and we're gonna pray a prayer this morning and invite Jesus to do exactly that in our lives. And it doesn't matter how long we have sat In these pews, or how long we have called ourselves a Christian, today is a day that we can make a stand and say, from this moment forward, I am all in. I am yours. You are my God. So let's close our eyes, bow our heads, and pray this prayer. Father God, we thank you for Jesus for his ultimate act of humility, to go to the cross, to restore the brokenness that sin has caused in this world and give me an opportunity of being in relationship with my God, my creator. And so God, I come before you now, humble as a servant of you, declaring that I am a sinner and that you are a saviour. Thank you, Jesus, that my sins have been paid for on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that your love meant that that is an opportunity and a reality for me. And so, God, I'm going to put you as Lord of my life, as number one, In everything that I do from this moment forward, Father, help me not to stumble. Help me to live more like Christ. Help me to live in the reality of being a follower of Jesus. Thank you that it's not in my own strength and that it's in your strength that I am healed.